Welcome to the Rumple and the Frog Show for Stitchers. I'm Rumple. And I'm the Frog, providing you with an enchanting escape of stitches and stories. We are so glad that you've joined us for fairy tales, fiber tales, and conversation about our most favorite thing. Yarn! yarn. Of course, always As the always. yarn and the spinning <laughs> of the yarns mm-hmm. in every way we mean it, right? Oh, especially awesome. today. <laughs> especially today. Especially today. Yeah. All right. So after our uh, mini series is kicked off with singles and doubles today, uh, in today's S- I can't talk episode, <laughs> we explore the magic number three. Yes. But before we do, let's start with a conversation about what we're making. Excellent. What are we making? And we said making because it seems like there's more making than stitching this time around, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you go first? Okay. Um. I am going to start off, let me grab this out of the bag, by sharing some hand spun. Ooh, ooh, look at all those and jewel tones. Man, I'll I love open it, it up a little bit. Purple. So see, pretty. It's hard to see, but this is, I saved it special for today. I love it. Wow, look at the colors. Because this is, oh, again, I don't know if you can really see. Oh, the, yep three ply but it's a it's not a cheater three ply but it's not a true three ply um this is navajo or chain plied Mm -hmm. so when you make a navajo or chain ply yarn you are you start from one singles yarn that you then transform into a three ply yarn um and one of the great things about this technique is you can see this a little better in person. I'll try to get good pictures to reflect the striping, but this is mm-hmm. a self-striping hand-spun yarn that really mm-hmm. doesn't take much effort. And that's because of the method of the plying technique. So if you have a long band of color, you can, as you ply, you can keep mm-hmm. all those colors together. So if you wanted to make a controlled self-striping yarn, or like a gradient yarn or something that's fading in and out. Mm-hmm. Chain ply is a really simple method. I say simple. I think it's once I learned it, it's very intuitive and easy. It took me a little bit of trial and error to really get the hang of it. But anyway, um, I highly recommend if you're a spinner out there or interested in trying to spin, this is a technique that is quite addictive. Neat. And produces awesome results. And this is um, Falkland roving that was hand dyed that I purchased from Banshee Firebar Arts, mm-hmm. which I really yeah. love. It's luscious. Yes. And you talked about um, Banshee Fiber Art Studio a lot in our last episode. So if anyone yes. wants to get even more information about this great source of a whole range of types of fibers for hand spinning, you can check yeah. it out. Yeah. Awesome, awesome resource. So check it out if you haven't yet. And um, yeah, so good. So that's cool. my magic number three. I love it. That's neat today. that you can control the colors that way. It's an interesting thought about where you can invest in the process of mm-hmm. the yarn um, to anticipate those kinds of results. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty it's neat. really fun. Yeah. Cool. So speaking awesome. of fun colors, it looks like you have some fun Oh my gosh. So I did an experiment this weekend and I, maybe you won't be surprised, but I was really surprised. I don't know. Maybe what I'm going to have you do actually is click on 
this last link in my list, it says common threads for triples. You want to yeah. click on that? And um, I, what I did was I took a bunch of pictures and I dumped them into a slideshow so that you could see. Oh, excellent. Okay. I thought it would be easier um, to tell you what happened. Ooh. So I'm going to put All that right. in present mode. Wow. So first, let me just say that this first image I'm looking at is of this gorgeous dye pot with like, would you call that fuchsia? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like super hot pink. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. So what I did was I was enjoying a salad last <laughs> week. <laughs> And I am a sucker for pickled beets. I like pickled things in general, but I really like pickled beets. And there's yeah. this brand of pickled beets that I really like called Aunt Nellie's. Mm, I'm going to have to try these, by the way. Yeah, you can get them in the, the veg, where all the vegetables you don't want to buy in the grocery store, like the canned carrots and the canned potatoes. Yes, can I never there. look there because I'm like, I'm yeah. not buying them. Because you're going to buy I'm fresh? not buying them. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, that's where you find the pickled beets. Um, and I love to throw those on my salad. So I'm having pickled beets and I'm thinking about why are pickled beets so good? They are delicious. And so I decide to look at the ingredients list one day when I'm making my salad, I look at the jar Yeah. and, uh, I learned that it is as simple as most pickles are. It involves sugar in this case, mm -hmm. corn syrup, which is probably why they're so good. And <laughs> a lot of vinegar Yeah. and a lot of, um, you know, salt and spices, but it's just sugar and vinegar. So mm -hmm. really I was wondering, oh, is there, because every time I put the pickled beets on my salad, I get like a drip on the counter of the most amazing red stain yes. of this beet juice, this hot pink. Yeah. So I was wondering, oh, have they put coloring in there or do they put anything in there to preserve the color? Is that natural? What's in there? Mm -hmm. And I learned that there's nothing in there, <laughs> but beet juice and vinegar really. Yeah. So I decided to see if there was enough vinegar in the pickle juice to mm -hmm. act as a mordant or if that's the right word for act as the acid yeah acid dye bath to see if i could get this beet juice to stick to some undyed yarn so in other words i decided mm -hmm. to kitchen dye some bare yarn in pickle juice awesome <laughs> i love this which should be should not work exactly right because i'm not sure what the what impact the sugar has on the acidity if any i don't know i also I don't know either Right. Also yeah. nat natural dyes are not the same as acid dyes. So yep. they're not necessarily going to adhere with that chemical bond that's happening when you're acid dyeing. Yeah. So some that's true, depending on the color where it's derived from different mordants or fixatives are going to function better. So vinegar, while it will probably help as a binder, it might not be the ideal binder to fix it to a wool or protein fiber. Right. Hmm. So fascinating, which I would have to look into. I don't know off the yeah. top of my head, what the best fixative would be to use with beets with beets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if we, if we were using like commercially produced acid dyes, we could use citric acid or white vinegar. Yep. Right. Yeah. But this was the mystery. So what happened was I prepped the dye. I did prep the dye in white vinegar to try to keep it all kitcheny without anyone having to go out and get anything special. Yeah. Um, I dunked the remnants of two jars of pickle juice <laughs> into the dye bath. I, and then I put my nice saturated prepped yarn in there. Yeah. And that first image is what you see. 
And okay. that that color just like oh stunning. Okay. Then I go upstairs and I say to my husband, cool, it smells like sh- pickled sheep in the basement. Like, <laughs> sorry about that, but I'm busy down there. No big deal. Just so you know. Pickled sheep. And then I fill up my cup oh. of coffee and I go back down. <laughs> okay, move to image two. Yeah. It's not as vibrant anymore. It's not as vibrant. And actually, when I pulled some of that out with tongs, there were actual um, like yellow patches. So starting to split the, I don't know what happened to the reds, but like I'm getting left with yellows. And if you keep advancing through my little slideshow, you will see. Yeah. My final version was sort of like a golden yellow. Yeah. It looks very pale. I'm not sure how pale it really is. Yeah. But it's definitely not that like fuchsia. I know. Punch of color anymore. And even in that second to last picture, the yarn is still wet. So it's even a little more Mm -hmm. vibrant, I think. And then as it dried and I let it dry out in the sunshine. And I'm not even sure it was light fast either because the final version was so, so pale. It is very pale. Yeah. So I was super surprised. Well, it would be interesting to do more looking into that. And I wonder if you boiled the beets right in there with it mm-hmm. to even get more extracted color. Mm-hmm. If you would have a stronger color that would last. I don't know. Right. But I am curious about that. Yeah. But then think- you have to sacrifice your eating your beets. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah, I think if there were like just beet skins in there, it would have been more saturated for sure. Yeah. But I think something is up with the chemistry here. Like some because the dye process that I use is one for commercially prepared acid dye. So it's just whatever my fixative strategy was here wasn't grabbing that red color. Yeah. So other things that um, and I don't know if this would work with it or not, but like alum and cream of tartar are other options. I don't know if those would have helped this better or not. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but yeah. I think, I think we should maybe for an upcoming episode, maybe look into like choose one or two mm-hmm. plant-based dye things and really do a deep dive into that. That could be fun. Yeah. It was fun. I was so surprised. I yeah. was so surprised. I hope this like super ultra uh, it's almost like a, I don't know, ecru kind of yellow. It's so pale, mm-hmm. but I hope it lasts. Cause I think now that we're heading towards springtime and making me think of Easter time, I was like, oh, maybe I'll speckle that with like purple. Yeah. And... Have, did you rinse it? Yep. Mm-hmm. I would guess that the color is fast. It's just extremely pale. Yeah. And so. it's pretty. Mm-hmm. It just needs a little love. So yeah. So that yeah. was my kitchen dyeing experiment with all household things because of my salad. I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you should, you should start like kitchen sink yarns or something. I don't I know. know. <laughs> so fun. It was really fun. Uh, That's very cool. Anyway. Oh gosh. And then you want me to tell you about my felting too? Of course my, I my do. My quick felting. So I, um, well, I love thrifting as you know and i found two really great almost 100% wool one of them is 100% wool sweaters that were really way too big i wish they weren't cuz they're both beautiful yeah um but because they were nice and big and super duper oversized for me it's a lot of fabric too and i was thinking about bags or pillows or doing something with felting them and upcycling them yeah um so i picked those up and i just took before and after pictures of the 
what the stitching looked like before. Those are all before. I'm looking. I need to go thrift shopping with you. Oh yeah, I find good stuff. Oh, there's they're so they felted or fold beautifully. Wow. They look great. It did take three three rounds. Um I kept going for more and more. Okay. Um because I really wanted them to blur out as much as I could. And did you end up running them through the washer and dryer and did you what did you end up doing to accomplish that for so i did a super hot wash cycle and i used dawn Uh um and then i in the dryer i did a super hot cycle with old sneakers in there banging around (laughs) um i just chucked in a bunch of old converse which can really whack the heck out of your sweaters which is a good thing if you're trying to do this (laughs) and then i'll just say this for listeners too and then i I sit and I camp out there because I know just how much fiber is coming off of these things, mm-hmm. especially um, this navy blue one, this 100% wool one had a more open stitching to begin with, and it was losing okay. a ton of fiber, like a ton. Wow. Interesting. And I was getting, I was getting anxious about dryer fire. I'm not going to, not going to lie. Okay. Super hot dryer, tons of uh, fiber floating around, like in the air in the dryer, that's not necessarily going into the lint trap. Okay. You know? gotcha. And it just makes me nervous. So I, for this one, um, I stuck around and really kept a eagle eye on it. Yeah. Um, the other one, the light pink one, that's in a much lighter weight yarn. Yeah. It was a much finer and it didn't have as much escaping fiber flying out <laughs> as it was felting. And so that one didn't make me as nervous, but the blue one sure did. And there are blue fuzzballs all over the house from my well, many, yeah. many trips I mean, up and down the stairs. Meh. Yeah. And it looks like you have some pretty sweet buttons to salvage off of. I do. There was even a spare button on the inside. Yeah. So those are four. If you want to go back to our main dock, those are for something called the Madawaska mittens, which is the coolest upcycle pattern. Oh, and there's buttons on them. Yes. Yes. Aren't they great? They are adorable. These are by Rebecca May, M-A-E, RebeccaMayDesigns.com. I found this pattern on Etsy. They are a generous sized mitten. The top of the mitten is made of upcycled felted sweater material. And the palm is of uh, fleece, I think, or you can use more sweater Mm -hmm. material. And then you can salvage the ribbing of a sweater, the cuffs and the waistband to make the cuffs of the mitten. These are great. They're so cool. And if you felt them enough, which is what I was really going for, they're just going to run under my sewing machine and call it a day. They should. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Aren't they cool? They they Um, look really fun. And I love that this is such a great way to reuse sweaters or even other wool material, like an old blanket even. Yeah. That either nobody has love for it anymore, doesn't fit, or whatever. You got it secondhand and it's not – something you're going to wear, but what a great use for it. Yeah. And if you scroll through all the samples, she's made so many of these, right? Ridiculous amounts of them. I I am scrolling through. Aren't they (laughs) cool? So so like some, I know sometimes she's cut the sweater on a bias. So the, what was a horizontal, like fair isle motif is now diagonal. There are times she's salvaged ribbing in interesting ways or cables. They, I just, when I look at this, I get so inspired about all the things you could do. Yeah. Um, for sure. They are great. And what fun gifts, you know, like if you got into this and you could whip them off in the summer, you'd be in really good shape come holiday time. You could have like such a good idea. You could have once you get the pattern down, you know, you really could be speedy. And one sweater you can get a couple pairs out of. You could do like a mother and daughter. 
And this would be just great for outdoor play too, or shoveling. Yeah. I'm just thinking I, of this last winter. <laughs> yeah. I think they're fantastic. So I'm, I'm going to try to make a family's worth. Um, yeah. And I wanted to say one more thing about this. Oh, if you really fall in love with these, the same designer on Etsy sells a acrylic template because it's really just ah. one, size, one size fits most. So if you're somebody mm -hmm. who is good with templates, like if you're a quilter and you're good with those quilting shaped rulers and your rotary cutter, imagine the speed with which you could cruise <laughs> using her acrylic template. So that's Rebecca Zoom May Designs. It. And I'm, I've done step one. I'm looking forward to awesome. doing more. Well, I can't wait to see those too. Awesome. Yeah. And for the fleece lining, I'm going to use old, um, I have some old like performance fleece, like, mm -hmm. you know, running tops and stuff that yep. have had better days. They would make the perfect inside, <laughs> inside lining, you know? Yeah. Awesome. So I'm going to upcycle. I love it. It is excellent. Good to reuse instead of toss whenever possible. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Well, you, it looks like you have some sewing too happening. Yep. Um, I've been continuing to work on my dolls, which have been sewing and embroidery. And I have some other projects that I've mentioned, but I haven't mentioned because they're secret. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I can't talk about those, but I did get some, a couple of fabrics that I picked up. Um, I had to pick up a couple of threads and things like that. And I was at Joanne's, so nothing flashy, but um, we have an ottoman that our dog really likes to sleep on mm, needs a cover, and it's huh? a really old ottoman <laughs> that from our dog in a past time mm -hmm. had punched a hole in it and then our current dog Jin she you know scraped it. around in there yep and so there's all these holes on it and I have put a cover over it that I sewed really poorly because I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> but I've learned a lot recently and I've improved my sewing skills. So I saw this in like the remnants bin. Yeah, that's my favorite bin. And I was like, oh my gosh, that would be those perfect. Are so cool. They're like little parakeet Crazy type of things. birds. Yeah, those are awesome. And it's a woven uh, canvas. So it's a nice, it's like a home deck heavy fabric, duty. Yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping this will be a good cover. So I'm going to make a cover or I'm going to recover at least the top portion of the yeah. ottoman. And then the other fabric, this is the last thing I got, is my adorable little whales. Yes, that's cute. All different colors. And with this, I'm actually planning to make a handful of more masks. Nice. Um, my mom and sister have made us, my family, a host of awesome masks that we love and wear. But... Um, I find myself needing a few more and yeah. Stella could use a couple more for school. So I yep. stumbled across that fabric and I was like, Oh, I just need it. Yeah. And it would, Printed the, fabric. I mean, oh, it's so good. It's beautiful. Fabric just calls me. I know yeah. this is so. why I don't go up to the quilt shop or <laughs> try to stay away. Did you, um, while we're talking about that, I feel like I just have to recommend for a hot second. Cause I was exploring hmm. just this morning. Last episode, no, sorry, two episodes ago, you recommended a designer on Etsy called Delilah Iris for the felted, sorry, yes. the felt, the little baby unicorn pattern. Yes. Did you notice when you were looking into her, her snail pattern? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, it's so fun. So if you want to combine all the stitching, right. I, it looks yeah. to me like that is a Merino felt 
stuffy. It's a little snail, very simple body shape. But yeah. then on its back for the spiral, she has a puffy rolled fabric tube, which looks like just quilting cotton or whatever print you want to choose. And yeah. the sort of mixed media of it, for lack of a better word, is like insanely charming. <laughs> Um, and so I was looking, thinking about all of my little scrappy scrappies and yeah. you know, I feel like I could just like make a whole, Do I don't it. know, like a, a ridiculous amount, like how many cubic feet of snails can I make and put them in a bin for no reason except to do it. Well, why not? Why wouldn't <laughs> why not? you do this? Why, why not? wouldn't you do it? <laughs> yeah. Cool. I think you should. And if you do, we'll talk about it here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I wondered, cause now that you've, you've got some remnants, I was like, oh, did you notice that one? I would yeah. got to make that one. Oh so, my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. That's an adorable one. Oh, so good. So good. So All yeah, right. that's it. Well, and I, I think, uh, we're ready for some storytelling and yeah. on a time. All right. So we were in the theme of triples. The thing that jumps out to us most obviously are of course the fates, mm -hmm. right? We love them because they're cool because they're yes. women because they come in three and yes. because they're fiber artists. So there, yes. what more do you want from us? The end episode over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and good night. <laughs> and good night. So I wanted to just share some basics about the, at least the Greco Roman version of the fates so mm -hmm. that people kind of have, you know, a sort of baseline to hear about your Norse version that's coming up. Right. Yes. All right. So the fates are often called the Moirai or maybe less often called that. That's their Greek term. And they are a group of three weaving goddesses, sisters, uh, who assign sort of individual destinies to us, um, at birth. And the three sisters are Clotho. She's the spinner. Mm -hmm. Lechesis, who is the allotter or the distributor. Uh -huh. And Atropos, who is the inflexible. The inflexible? The inflexible. Mm -hmm. So she's the ender. The ender, right. And we often think of them as the one that uh, like creates the quality of the thread of your life, who, the one who spins the quality of the thread of your life, the one that measures the length, and lastly, the one who cuts it. Yep. Um, so sort of interesting theme and mythology and interesting theme for threes and for us, cause we like fiber art. Yeah. So, um, they are sometimes associated as offspring of Zeus, but actually more often they're sort of earlier than him. In fact, they help him in his war against the giants. So they have mm. sort of a primordial existence that seems to be before time Yeah. or yep. before him. And they are also known to be mentioned they're like alluded to all the time in myths mm -hmm. but they don't actually have a full-blown personification or a character in myths that they're not often running around doing things they're just okay. re referred to collectively as a force that really can't be contended with the fates mm -hmm. um okay and in latin terms they're called the park guy that's p-a-r-c-a-e oh and that, i've never heard that before it's the same. It's sort of a, just sort of the Latinate version of it, yeah. but it's also a misconstruction. I think that naming, I think there's sort of a false etymology. Some people think it's related to the Roman word pars, which means portion, like the, like going with mm. the idea of the allotter, like what distribution of life you get, Yeah. but it's more likely derived from the Latin verb that means to give birth or bring forth. Um, because oh, okay. all these things that are determined for you really happen at your birth. Mm-hmm. So it's not like your the your life is being measured and they're waiting on you to cut it. It's like it's all sort of predetermined. Yeah. The so they've spun the fiber, placed it, 
and it's got a set amount of it's finite. It's like right. what it is kind of thing. Yep. Okay. Yep. And I guess I think the most important thing to know when thinking about the Greco-Roman version of this is that they are often alluded to as a force that cannot be overturned. So like Oedipus and others in Greek tragedy, there's all this trying to escape one's fate, you know, free will versus fate and and fate has a much more power over free will. Yeah. Mythology. And also as a force that the Olympian gods are often shown managing their issues (laughs) and as they do there are two forces that the olympian gods cannot overrule one of them is the fates okay and the other one is love so two powers that even the gods themselves often submit to or Mm -hmm. defer to are actually the fates or what is fated and the power of love are two things that tend to even control the gods so let me ask you then and maybe i'm jumping ahead of you but oh good Um, so from what I, if I am understanding you right, then the Greco-Roman fates, their determination of someone's path is final and not able to be bent. Is that true? Okay. And if I am understanding you, they control the fates of humans and gods or Am I misreading that? No, you're right. Of okay. humans and gods and also of of the sort of semi-divine, the heroes, mm-hmm. um, are fated. And so a lot of times in the stories, you see gods meddling in the affairs of heroes and mortals mm-hmm. in an effort to essentially delay or derail fate, even mm-hmm. though they know the fate will ultimately. Just can't. Yeah. yeah. Somehow can't or another. Right. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever so it is. a couple of uh, famous anecdotes about that are um, in the Trojan War, there are a couple of duels, as often the case in those war poems. Mm-hmm. And there are two duels in which you see Zeus managing the fact that the fate is determined not by him. So in the one, there is the Greek hero Patroclus and the Trojan Sarpedon, who was a son mm-hmm. of Zeus. They meet on the battlefield. And um, Zeus weighs the scales of fate to determine, you know, he wants to know the outcome in advance. And he learns that his own son is going to is going to fall to Patroclus. Mm. And he looks to the sort of chamber of gods and he, he asks if he could reverse it. He sort of mm-hmm. thinks out loud. And it's a very famous scene because Hera, his wife, scolds him in front of everyone. She sort of chastises him in front of everyone. And she says, you know, what what would happen? What are you talking about? So if you if you want to reverse this, then what about my children? What about the children mm-hmm. of Venus, the children of this, children of that? She's like, if we all thought we could just undo the fates, imagine the chaos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Zeus is sort of like kind of tail between his legs. He's sort of publicly humiliated by his sister wife for oh. having had the <laughs> impassioned thought out loud. Yeah. Um, and so the duel takes place on the battlefield and Sarpedon falls, and it says there's a great thunderstorm. Uh, where it rains tears of blood, where Mm. uh, Zeus mourns the loss of his son, which he knew and went upon watching that his son would lose. And a similar one, even more famous from, uh, from the Iliad is the story of the Trojan war by Homer is Hector and Achilles, the greatest Mm. Greek warrior and the greatest Trojan warrior they meet up. And right before the duel commences, there's a, they, there's like an upper register scene among the Olympians where he's weighing 
you know? And sometimes yeah. there's all kinds of versions of this in art, but sometimes it's like he has a helmet, one each of the two heroes that are fighting like a kind of like a little model helmet that he weighs. And the ah. one that's the one um that's doomed. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So that's called um kerostasia is this cool Greek word for like the weighing of the fates. So very say, typically say that again. Kerostasia. Kerostasia. It's a <laughs> yeah. very interesting sounding word. It's a cool word. So um and I even found like a cool academic article from a scholar, I think from Skidmore College, on scenes of Kerastasia with Zeus, all the different scenes in literature where he's yeah. weighing the fates. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I think I'm going to stop there. But those are are some examples of how fate cannot be undone. It cannot be unraveled from the tapestry mm -hmm. of your life. It cannot be removed from the scrolls. That's another place where the gods consult the fates is in these books of fate. Oh. Um, it cannot be changed or altered. It can only be delayed, derailed, but ultimately the train just always gets back on the tracks no matter what. <laughs> Interesting. No matter what you try to do. It's what it is. It is what it is. There's no skirting around what the end has in store, I suppose. <laughs> That's right. Interesting. Well, yeah. So that's really fascinating because there's obviously a lot of similarities, but there's some really distinct differences too. Cool. I can't so wait. So I, and I wasn't really sure about some of the things. That's why I asked you some of those questions. Cause I was like, well, all right, well, I think I'm hearing this, but anyway. Um, so I looked into the Norns um, mm -hmm. uh, from Norse mythology and they're Urd, uh, Verdandi and Skuld. And these were or are the Norse caretakers of Yggdrasil. Mm -hmm. And they're the three women who determine one's fate. Mm. And Yggdrasil is the world tree in Asgard. It's cool. specifically an ash tree. And it, it is this tree that links the nine worlds in Norse mythology. So that being said, there's like so much on the world tree in Norse mythology that mm -hmm. we could probably do a whole season of so cool episodes just for that. So I just wanted to make sure I quickly talked about it because it is really important uh, in their role, the Norns role. Um, in short though, the Norns take water from the well of fate and they pour that water over the roots of the tree to keep it from wilting and dying out. Mm -hmm. Now, one day the tree will die, just like everything will. And this is mm -hmm. like their belief system. Um, so they accept and acknowledge that this tree will eventually die, but not until they're ready to let mm -hmm. that happen, I guess. I'm not totally crystal clear on all the details. So anyway, by doing this, they prevent the tree from dying because they're watering it with this like magical water um, and extending the life of the tree. Anyway, mm. that being said, <laughs> cool. going back to the Norns, the caretakers of this tree. Um, so there are many, many, many Norns who serve all kinds of purposes in Norse mythology. Um, but typically a Norn is somebody who practices some sort of magic. Mm. Um, the difference here between general Norns and our three women Norns mm -hmm. is that they're, this is like the special difference. They're 
Norns is capital N. Mm -hmm. Like the Norns. The Norns, when it's referred to these three Norns. Got it. Versus when it's referred to any other Norn, it's a lowercase n. Got it. That is a distinguishing feature of the how the word is presented and understood. Okay. I guess that's a big factor of this. So anyway, um, Yurd, Verdandi, and Skold are giantesses. Awesome. And they're often depicted human-sized with some non-human features, but generally they look like human beings with mm-hmm. non-human aspects to them, like maybe wings or other special armor, things like that. Neat. And they live by the well of fate where they're watering the tree. Um, and like the fates, they determine the lives of the humans and gods, but also giants mm-hmm. and dwarves. Neat. And they're doing this through spinning and or weaving the fabric of all these creatures, beings, individuals, lives. I love this. This Um, is so cool. So there's a lot of overlap, but uh, it's extremely similar, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then their weaving that they make creates a tapestry of life uh, that um, isn't fixed, like Ah. with the fates. So apparently with the norns. It can be mended. Yeah, yeah, it can be changed. So your your end fate, I mean, everybody's going to die. So that's that. Yeah. But apparently my understanding is that even though they're weaving the tapestry of your life and they've kind of set it on a path, it's not fixed. You have the power to take it in a direction of your own that's my that was my interpretation of mm. what i was reading so um that was one interesting thing i think cuz i didn't know that i always thought it was no matter who you were looking into it's just what it is and it's ABC interesting NBA i mean it's almost weird. like <laughs> it's sort of though like this tapestry this weaving of life but if the warp and the weft threads are predetermined, then the tapestry can take any kind of form, right? Yeah. But the threads, the yarns that are the life in there, mm-hmm. don't change their form just because they're woven a certain way or they are manipulated throughout the tapestry a certain way. That same yarn is still the yarn. So maybe it's like a kind of a really cool combination of both. Like you're still you. Mm-hmm. Right. You bring yourself with you throughout your journey of life, which can take all kinds of twists and turns and shapes and it's being created as you live it. But there are some essential parts of your you-ness that are inherent and unchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps some predestined if you want to believe that. Yeah, exactly. So cool. So yeah, I thought it was interesting that there was a little flexibility. Yeah, I dig it. This, uh, in the with the Norns, yeah, <laughs> um, I love it. The Norns. It sounds like you know somebody's like three houses down. You know, three <laughs> houses. Can you can you drop this off? I promise I'd leave it on the porch. You know, over there at the Norns. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds I'm going like next door to the Norns. <laughs> if ever I meet anyone with the, the last name or first name Norn, I'll be like, hmm, hmm. who are you really? <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Oh my that gosh, fun. This is um, great. Yeah, and do you know it? That was the other thing is there's a lot of uh 
you know, the Norns are seen spinning and or weaving. They're yeah. not doing one or the other necessarily or both, but there's at least one of them always involved. Mm-hmm. So again, the thread of life, you know, all yes. that sort of the tapestry of life, all these things that are fibers in our lives, so intertwined and interconnected and important. Um, anyway, really cool. so they are, the Norns are responsible much in the same way that the fates are for, you know, spinning and weaving someone's life story from birth until death. And then um, each Norn, of course, has a specific, I guess, a job. I don't know if that's the right word, but Yurd represents or, you know, takes care of the past, Verdanti, Mm -hmm. the present, and Skold, uh, the future. And even though the, they're described in a variety of different ways, my favorite description was this, which is Erd is a decrepit old woman who looks back in time. Mm-hmm. Verdandi is young and vivacious, and she's looking straight ahead. And Skold wears a veil as she looks in the opposite direction of Erd, implying that her gaze is to the future. So I I thought that was kind of, I don't know, it's very visual and artistic, which I like. (laughs) So I liked that particular description of the group of women. Um, So anyway, so that's, those are the Norse, uh, that's the Norse version of the fates, the Norns. And that's all I have. The Norns. The Norns. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) I um, have remembered while we were talking. (laughs) Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to download this and I'm going to just drag it in. Let's see if I can do this. It's going to be like huge and take over our document. Don, don, don. Oh, it needs to be rotated. Can I do it? (laughs) I Uh, can turn my head. Okay. I might just have you do. Wait, hold on. If I hit this, will it let me rotate? Well, something's happening. Hmm. I don't know. We'll rotate it later. But oh, wait. um, I see something. Ooh. This is so cool. This was an image that um, my friend took in Mexico when she was traveling. Oh, wow. And it's a mural and it has the coolest like memento mori, you know, the sort of artistic concept of being mindful of your mortality. It's three three skeletons and they are... they are drop spinning and like measuring and cutting the thread of life. And it is so cool. And I've often yeah. thought to myself, cause you know, I like my tattoos that if someday when I have a lot of time and a lot of <laughs> canvas, which I don't think I have left, but I don't know. I just think it's super cool. That uh, is cool. Um, and I will, I'll ask her permission if I can, uh, if I can drop that into our our show notes or even yeah. maybe use it as our image. It's so Oh, cool. that would be amazing. Yeah. Let me know uh when you talk to her. That yeah. is gorgeous. Isn't it the neatest picture? Especially yeah. she's a photographer too. So I just love that. Well, picture. she took a great picture. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. And you can't see it all, but when you um have a chance to flip it around, you'll see just there's other fun things like there's a like a bicycle in the bottom of the picture for no apparent reason, oh, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. There's so much fun oh. stuff happening. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. We can, we can turn it. Yeah. I will manipulate, shrink it down and manipulate it for you later. Oops. I turned it too far. I can't see it. Where'd it go? There you go. Yeah. Is it right side now? I just can't see it on my screen for some reason. No, it looks great. Yeah. Why can't I? 
Ah, cool. I know. Wow. I love it. And then that, hey, those fuchsia flowers. I mm. know. I love it. It's Super all connected. neat. It's all connected. It's all connected. And there's a gold thread like you ended up with. A oh my gosh. You are, it was in the fates. It was in the fates. It's all been predetermined. It's well, been predetermined. Calling it in. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Once again, our work is done here. <laughs> oh my gosh. But really, that is, that's a really, that's an amazing find. Is that beautiful? It. I know. Yeah. I know. I love that I'm associated to be such a fiber nerd that if somebody's like traveling and they see like a pair of scissors and a thread, they're like, let me send this oh, to Amy. Man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Amy's friend. <laughs> Thank right. you. That's awesome. awesome. Oh, All right. Well, cool. So we did some foraging under our theme of possibly faded things, possibly just threes. So um, what do you have I, for us? I have like quite the list. So the first, uh, so these three can kind of all go together. They are different artists. Um, but the, I have the woolly cacti cacti. Dang, these are amazing. They're cool. They wow. are it's a very cool knit pattern for three cacti. And I just think it's cool because they come in three. So I was like, they I'm really into toys right now. So I've decided awesome. that I really, really, really need to get my nitty toy game on. I know I've Yay. been saying that as long as you know me and it has yet to happen, but I'm determined. So I specifically was in the playful mood of looking for mm-hmm. toys that came in threes. Um, so that one's on Ravelry. And I love that. The and they're they're using them as pin cushions, which makes them look extra cacti. That's <laughs> so cool. So those are by uh the yarn loop. Those are great. And the next one that is fun and a 3 also are three little French hens by Susan B. Anderson, which are really she cute. Is, she is so awesome. She's such a great designer. I love it. Aren't those the cutest? And I look like they use a little bit of mosaic knitting. You know, I love myself yeah. some mosaic knitting. Adorable. <laughs> really fun. Uh, so that's another little set of triplets. And if you want to <laughs> jump to the way bottom. <laughs> Okay. The uh, last one on my list are the bitty bathroom patterns. Um, bathroom. Pa- oh my yeah, gosh. They're yes. from Mochi Mochi land. I just, <laughs> why is yes. she so amazing? But so this is a anthropomorphized toilet. Oh, tub they're brilliant. And, and look at this sink. <laughs> they're just hilarious. Oh my gosh. Oh man. I love it. And the bathtub. It's got they're a so cute. And a sailboat. I know. They just stupid cute and they come oh. in three. What is her name is Anne starts with Anna Harahovac. Harahovac, I, I think. Yep. I think that I could be saying it completely wrong. Um, and I'll I love her. Check. I followed her work since I discovered it many years ago. Oh, she's amazing. So not only does yeah. she make small sized, like everyday life things that are anthropomorphized with little eyes and expressions, but then she animates them and puts out yes. these very brief Instagram animations. In fact, talking about these little toilets she has one where she's made like 10 of the toilets and yeah. she's flip like poking the lids down to like this bell like this <gasps> plinky bell I haven't music seen that one. So it looks like she's playing them oh, like an instrument Hilarious. i have got to check that out she's the cutest oh um and then of course in the spirit of three i have two other toys to show you mm-hmm. the first is the three-toed sloth pattern by barbara prime check this out which is a knit stuffy. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> it's a very cute sloth. Oh. And if you want to, it includes a poncho oh pattern gosh. that you can put on said sloth, which just makes it better. I mean, oh. it doesn't get any better than a 
is adorable. A I'm sorry. I don't know what you want from me, but that's the, the best oh, I can do. I love it. <laughs> I would like to cuddle that little slothy critter. It's adorable. So cute. And three toes. I mean, that fits the theme, right? That's not a yeah. stretch. <laughs> oh, not at all. I mean, three toes is three toes. Oh, goodness. Three is the magic number. That's right. And the last, of course, is an example of Cerberus, the three-headed dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is Fluffy, the Harry Potter version. This is by Sarah yes. Elizabeth Kellner. Mm-hmm. It is really well done, I think. Yeah, I think she absolutely. has super cleverly figured out how to shape this body into these three. I really am impressed with the way she was rendered this. Um Especially like if you look at the side and back view, she did a really, really oh, nice job. Yeah. You should look at some of, I'm familiar with this designer. You've got to look at her other designs as far as toys, three-dimensional things. You, I mean, she's phenomenal. And yes, I agree with you a hundred percent on Fluffy. <laughs> this isn't one of your favorite books, right? This is in the Harry Potter is. magic book. Yes. Which is I so do cool. have this book and that book is amazing. I yeah. highly recommend it for any Harry Potter fan. Um, awesome. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Fluffy. So those are all my, my funny threes. You Fluffy. can tell I am Jones to make a small <laughs> toy. I have got to get on it. Get on it. Get on it. Stop yeah. knitting sweaters. I know. And start knitting tiny toilets. Instant gratification. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tiny toilets. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a tiny toilet by tomorrow. I'll be like, look at look at what I made. Do it. A oh, it's toilet. totally achievable. You could do it. I know. Yeah, I know. You should do it. <laughs> All right. Tell me about this art print you call, you found. This is cool. Yeah. So the on Etsy, you know, I like to find things that aren't necessarily always specifically things we use to make stuff with but celebrate maybe our subject or theme of the day. And this is um, an art print of the three Norns. And it's beautiful. um, It's a really simple illustration. It's very bold colors. And the Norns are depicted each as wearing capes. And what I would refer to as like Nordic or Scandinavian clothing. And they're, all kind of holding the thread, if you will, mm-hmm. together. Um, they're like, so I wouldn't have, I guess, you know, based on the descriptions I've read and we've talked about, I wouldn't have ever pictured them in this way. And I thought that was really interesting. I love how other people interpret them. But the one mm-hmm. thing I did notice is that, um, The Norn on the far left has what looks to me to be like gray hair. Yeah. Maybe that's the oldest Norn. Mm -hmm. The one in the middle, because she's in the middle, I would presume, (laughs) Mm -hmm. is the for the present. And the one on the right um, is for the future. So that, I mean, that's my guess. I didn't actually read the description of this. I'm not going to lie. That's so right. maybe the artist has offered her interpretation, but anyway, cool. yeah, I thought the illustration was just really beautiful and anyone interested in that kind of thing might appreciate it. Yeah. It looks like some of her other prints involve other characters of mythology too. So if yes. that's a thing that you like or a theme you're looking to decorate, it's pretty cool. She has some that some people wouldn't know about either like a Hecate or yeah, getting a little esoteric there. So that's pretty cool that she's got a range of inspiration from mythologies. Yeah. So very cool. Very fun. 
I don't know. Excellent. I like offering up that kind of thing. I love it. And I love it when you go to TV and film too. That really helps me with my say watch party of one that I like to have at night. (laughs) Well, here's one for you. My other foraging thing um, is Ragnarok. Uh, It's a Netflix series and it's pretty new as far as I know. And I have already watched the whole thing. Mm -hmm. There's only one season so far. I did read that there's a second season on the way. Thank goodness, because I'm dying to find out what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And without really giving it away, which I don't think this will actually give anything away. um, It's set in contemporary times, but it features Norse gods and other mythological creatures kind of hidden in plain sight if you will and some of these gods or other beings don't necessarily realize who they are oh at first so that's cool i'm really curious to see where they take this series um yeah it is dubbed Mm -hmm. but it's done really really well and that's the reason i watched it there's always really good looking series to me that are in subtitles, which I don't have a problem with that. However, I'm almost always working with my hands and do need to look down frequently. And for me, if I'm going to invest my time watching something, I need to, I don't know. I like to know what's really going on. I hear you. Um, So, so many times I skip over a series that is subtitled because I don't feel like I can really comprehend and understand what's going on. Yes. I can totally relate to that because I'm also knitting all the time. And there are even movies. I might've said this earlier, but I'll say it again. (laughs) There are (laughs) movies that I feel like I have heard and not seen. Yeah. yeah. So when you're stitching, when you're in your downtime and you're stitching and that's, what's going on, you know? Yeah. Subtitles are tough, but you were saying that this one's dubbed, right? Yeah. So this one is dubbed. Um, and Personally, I thought it was done pretty well, uh, like because I was knitting while watching this. I'm not even sure I realized it was dubbed right away. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> and then I was watching for a minute and I was like, oh, the audio is off. And then mm-hmm. I was watching. I was like, oh, no, this is dubbed. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's it's done pretty well. Anyway, it's um, Ragnarok. The Netflix series is. Uh, as one might have guessed, or I might be repeating myself. <laughs> it could uh, be. We'll see. You know, all the good stuff about um, some really interesting Norse mythology. Um, and I'm trying to think of like how I could classify this because it's like a blend of supernatural mythological history ish with no, contemporary so issues about global warming and the what? environment. Yeah, it's it's like bonkers good. It's totally my kind of show. Okay. I loved it. I'm so excited because now I have for everyone. Thank you. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna check it so out. Good. All right. I'll, so report good. I'll report back. I'll report back. Um yeah All I right. can't wait for the next season. So anyway. <gasps> should we fess up about why there might be some redundancy right here? I think we should. <laughs> why don't it you won't say be so weird sounding if there is <laughs> So in the event that we have just repeated anything, uh, it is because it is several days later because yes. the internet cut out on us. So uh, we are trying to wrap this episode 
with our sort of adult working mom brains yes. <laughs> without <laughs> listening back. So hopefully that wasn't too redundant. I don't think it was. I think it I was think just it was pretty right. good. Okay. So, anyway. All right. Go ahead and say your, I know you want to say it. Yidiasa and yidiasa. <laughs> <laughs> that one like had an accent. I love it. Okay. Um, so I have these books. I think you've seen these before. Have whoa, you? no. What? Wait, hold it further away. Does this one have a title on it? <laughs> yes, it's just faded. Oh, so okay. this one is Norse mythology. Oh my gosh, these look amazing. And this one is the book of Greek myths. And actually, this one's cons- actually the book of Norse myths. They are, they are, you know, fraternal twins. But these yes. are um, Dolaires, which is, and I'll put this in the show notes: D apostrophe A U L A I R E S Dolaires. Hmm. And these are beautifully illustrated mythology books um, that well, I know. If you choose a book by the cover, which I may be guilty right. of, I would choose those books. <laughs> so I don't know how oh, well you can yes. see. Yes. Yeah. Um, these are fantastic. And the reason why I wanted to bring them up today is because remember how our last episode, we marked it explicit because of some of the content and one of the myths that I was talking about. Yes. So to be, I just, we were covering our tushies. Yeah. Which is the <laughs> respectful thing to do, yeah. honestly. So I'm glad that we did that. Um, but I wanted to point these out because this book, I know well, the Greek myths, I know very well because I have used it to teach sixth graders. Mm-hmm. So mm, okay. these books are geared for school age children. Um, they really do a great job retelling the stories. They tell all, you know, whether it's got, you know, could have war or violence or conquest mm-hmm. or any of those things happening, but it's just really well done. And so if you have someone around you in your life that you would like to share the stories of myths with, but you're worried maybe about what sources to go to, because you really yep. don't know when you turn the page, what might happen. Yes. <laughs> they are carefully treated in these, these two books and awesome. it's a long time now they've been around for a really long time. And I know this one, the Greek myths, this has been floating around in school curricula for a really long time. Awesome. So. I'll have to look into these for Stella too. Yeah. She is, she totally digs this kind of thing, yeah, which the is drawings are awesome. amazing. The illustrations are so beautiful. So <sighs> these I are, it. I think they're both published by double day and they're still in print and you can find them. And they're also Ooh, good. Like big coffee table size things. I'm holding up. They're like big yeah books which i love oh. i mean i totally admit that i still read books like that me too me too <laughs> i and love the stories in them yeah, they're amazing <laughs> totally and as much oh. as they have all that illustration they're very meaty in terms of text so yes. let me let me hold yeah. up a text page so you can see what i mean like we're not kidding with text yeah which is why yeah. this is a a good beefy choice for school age kids and stuff like that so i just want to <laughs> share that because you can access mythology with your kids or with younger folks um Safely, and really, you know? who doesn't like beautiful illustrations? I know. No matter what age you are. I They're mean, really oh, cool. Yeah. They're really cool. So awesome. next time I do some sort of porch yarn drop or something, I'll leave those for you to look at. Yay! Oh, that would be super fun. I'd love so. to check them out. And then the other one that actually wasn't on my list, but it just crossed my mind. I'll just mention really briefly is because yeah. we've mentioned Neil Gaiman before, but one of his more mm-hmm. recent books is Norse mythology, which is <sighs> his retelling of several major vignettes of Norse mythology. It's beautifully told. And I really love his voice and he does a great read on audiobooks. So the Ooh, audio it's an audio book already. Yep. Because yep. I have seen the print and I've picked it up and I'm like, uh, I'm not going to do this right now because I'm reading like 20 other books. And oh, the audio I promised so myself I wouldn't buy any more books until I actually read the ones I have. Yeah. 
All right. I'll have to look into that. Yes. And I'll have to look in my, let me look in my audible account and see, you know how sometimes you can share with a friend. Let me see if I can share it with you somehow. Okay. I'll Um, check uh, my hoopla too. Although if it's that new, it might not be in there. Have I talked about hoopla before? No. Oh, well, we're going to have one more add on for Curiouser and Curiouser right now. Um, Hoopla is like a digital lending library that I access through my town library. So they have a huge collection of digital and audio books that you can use totally free uh, through your own library. So you do have to have an account with your library uh, or a library card, but it's amazing. You get four downloads a month regardless of what it is and i think they also have movies too but anyway we all use it stella listens to things i listen to things and that's great i will look for that one too just in case yeah yeah anyway that's awesome great all right well before we wrap up and before you say your ever after quote, <laughs> I just uh, want to give credit to Sophie Paris, the yes. photographer who snapped the photo that we use for our episode badge today while traveling Amazing. in Mexico. So I just wanted to mention that and we'll put more information about that in the show notes too, but to give Sophie Paris some credit for that amazing photo. So thank, thank you, Sophie. You. Yes. All right. What do you have to say to take us out today, Rumps? Good things come in threes. Yes, they do. (laughs) All right. Just like March multiples, we had three episodes in this mini series. So that was great. Three episodes in March. Good things do come in threes. Ta-da. We're so So good. There. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, that takes us into April though. So let's tee that up. Can you believe it? So just like our seasons are changing and the sort of uh, earth is regenerating and shifting right under us as we change seasons, we're super excited for our April theme of Mm -hmm. metamorphosis. Cue magical sounds. Yes. Literary glory dewdrops. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if you find some, get me a bag of those by tomorrow, please. Sure. You got <laughs> right it. on it. Oh, so exciting. All right. Well, with these oh. longer days, warmer weather, and sort of burgeoning gardens right underneath us, it seems like we should talk about metamorphosis. So we yeah. will. So two episodes in April about change from within. Da, da, da. So it's magic. It's going to be magic. So <laughs> it is so long for now as it's time for us to return to the woods to forage some more. We'll be back soon with more stories and stitching. Until we meet again. Happy, Happy stitching. stitching.